The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, Lord. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration, and was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria. All went to their own towns to be registered. Joseph also went from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to the city of David called Bethlehem because he was descended from the house and family of David. He went to be registered with Mary, to whom he was engaged and who was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for her to deliver her child, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. In that region there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. To you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is the Christ, the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace among those whom he favors. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise the Lord, Lord Jesus Christ. Just before reflecting on the scriptures, we just heard a couple of notes about what to expect here this evening. At communion time, uh, communion will be um, distributed from the front as well as from the back of the church. If you are sitting up in the loft in the balcony, I know it's warmer up there than down here for sure, but someone will bring communion to you up there. You don't have to come up and down the steps and the same with those who are worshiping with us from the hall downstairs, too. Communion will be brought to you. So no one has to go really all that far to receive communion. Now, right after communion, we do. We take up a second collection here. And this year, that second collection will be given to our food bank in its entirety. The food bank this year, they helped support over 190 families 
for Christmas this year. It was a record for them, and it had a record impact on the shelves of the food bank as well. And so I'm hoping that there's a, uh, they, they, they can recuperate those shelves and fill them up again in record time, hopefully with all of our help here in that second collection. Now, for those of us who've been maybe getting ready for Christmas, and maybe this is even more true for those who started maybe a little later than usual getting ready for Christmas, the promised season of peace sometimes uh, seems to be in jeopardy. Um, the extra stress of, of Christmas sometimes uh, 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 makes conflict more apparent in our relationships with one another. Or it's even harder than usual to get along with others in the parking lots and in the streets. And maybe even some of our children having a little more candy than usual, uh, it takes a little more coaxing with them to have peace within our own homes. It's supposed to be a season of peace, but for many, peace can seem to be in jeopardy in a way. But I'd like to let you, know, let you all know that if peace is difficult for you to find in this season, you're in good company here. Because when we examine what all went, happened on that first Christmas, we don't find a peaceful scene at all, but instead one of conflict. Christmas is introduced to us as a conflict. We're first told about a ruler, the head of the Roman Empire, Caesar Augustus. Sounds like a powerful guy, and he was. And like many rulers, he assured his position with force. With cunning and violence, he eliminated enemies, and with armies, he ruled vast territories. Since, ever since Cain and Abel, history has been filled with lots of examples of people using force to take, and that pattern continues today. Before an election, politicians spend their time trying to outwit one another. Through political force, they tear one another down. This very day, rulers in the Middle East and the Ukraine battle for territory and respect. Through military force, they take. Financial force, influential force, physical or emotional force, even within our families and relationships, there are so many ways that force can be used to take and to manipulate. The problem with power, as we usually appreciate and experience it, is how it views people either as obstacles to be overcome or as objects to be used. And power in this form just isn't compatible with love. When our politicians see one another as obstacles to be overcome or think of citizens only as votes to be won, there is no love there. Parents know how love is challenged when siblings see one another as obstacles to be eliminated. And judges know the evils that arise when one person sees another as an object to be used. Christmas is introduced with an exercise of force. Caesar Augustus decreed that every person in his realm was to be registered. This would help with collecting taxes or in conscripting soldiers should the need arise. Not even pregnant mothers were exempt, it seems. But the story of Christmas doesn't end with the emperor exercising his power, but with the arrival of another great and powerful king. 
Now, it would have been no surprise if this new king had entered the world through force. It's what kings and rulers do. It's what everyone had expected, that the long-awaited savior would come through a great show of power, overwhelming all enemies and clearly revealing the great glory of God. Something different happened, though. Something very ordinary and unimpressive. A child was born in a barn. On one hand, newborns are completely dependent. They will not live long without constant care, love, and assistance from others. This doesn't make them completely weak, however. They may totally depend on others, but newborns also demand complete attention. When a newborn doesn't sleep at night, neither will anyone else in the house. When a newborn wants to be fed or held or rocked back and forth for hours and hours, someone's going to do it. A newborn may not be able to raise their own head, but with a noise can command the attention of every person in this church. There may be many ways to tell a ruler to be quiet, but the only way to silence a newborn is to recognize, respect, and tend to its weakness. There is a power in the weakness of a newborn that can't be dismissed. I like to think that we are in the place of those shepherds we heard about in the gospel. Like the shepherds, we don't have to make the trek here, but we do, because we're told something special has happened, and we're curious about that. Like the shepherds, we will eventually return to our homes and to our jobs. The Christmas break will end for students. The holidays, Boxing Day will come to an end and we'll have to go back to work. Our worries and bills uh, will return. And it may, and to others, it might seem that nothing's changed. But like those shepherds, we know better. Of course, we, we need prime ministers and presidents to, and others to lead us. But there is no election or demonstration of might, no earthly power, that will give us the love we really long for. And that's why elections and presidents, they, um, prime ministers and presidents, they come and go. No, like the shepherds, we'll leave rejoicing here because we've witnessed how only through God, love and power can exist together. Recognizing how people aren't obstacles to be conquered or objects to be used, but as an opportunity for love. This is what we see when we look at a nativity scene, like the one before our altar or in our homes. What we discover when we consider what made that first Christmas so unique, what we receive each time we receive Jesus in communion, is what happens when power is truly matched with love. So here's what we do. Just as God's power is demonstrated through the weakness of a newborn who can do little but cry out, we cry out to God. To the God of peace, we cry out for peace between nations and our families and in our hearts. To the God of hope, we cry out for hope any time despair threatens. To the God of joy, we cry out for joy. <clears throat> Whenever we encounter grief or sorrow, and to the God of love, we cry out for love every time we see people treated as obstacles or objects. 
we cry out to God, not because our lives are so wonderful or full of peace, but because, at times at least, they are not. And just as the cries of a newborn cannot be ignored, neither does God ignore our cries. And so at this Christmas and on each day, we're happy to offer to him the gift of our prayers. God of all, as the shepherds came before you, seeking their salvation, we come before you this evening seeking our Savior. As we return to our homes and to our lives, may we not go empty-handed, but instead go knowing that uh, knowing more of your love. We, may we know that you are indeed the source of love and joy, peace and hope. Cling to that and share those promises with others. We praise you for sending us your Son, in whose name we offer these prayers. Amen.